Well, good morning out there in Radio Land. What a day the Lord has made. What a glorious day it is to be alive in the kingdom of God. This is a day that you'll never get back. This is the only August 28, 2023 you'll ever have in the your life. And today we're going to make the most of it for the glory of God, to exalt Christ, to tell people of His goodness, and to see the glory of God come and cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Amen. Amen. Well, <clears throat> we got our Monday crew with us in the studio. Miss Hannah, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm good. <laughs> Not everybody talking at the same time. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. He's got his cub hat on. Um, <laughs> and so, Miss Gretchen, you doing good this I'm morning? Doing good. I'm doing good. Yep. Yeah. Well, we had a um, awesome time last yesterday, and I heard some from so many other churches that they have been having some incredible times as well. So it's not isolated to any one church. It's just whoever's hungry, he is filling. Whoever's thirsty, thirsty, he is giving drink. And we're just going to continue to tap into his presence and see what God is doing in the earth. Amen. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We had a great time last night, and we had a lot of guests come out last night and worship with us as we just kind of had a spontaneous worship service last night and that was great and um, I know Madrid uh, brother Tim said Madrid had an awesome time last night as well and uh, Miss Gretchen I can't remember did you say you went somewhere last night yes I did yep we'll just stop there okay <laughs> she went somewhere last night okay um uh, and and so um okay i'll confess i went i saw a movie last night <laughs> you saw a movie last night i thought you went to church somewhere last night no well i mean seeing a movie's not horrible she brought the church to the movie actually, actually it was it was it was good it was the the hill it was about uh and you know the the group that's uh angel productions that did uh the sound of freedom mm -hmm. they're they're starting to make some movies you know and uh so it's, uh, uh, I think they're going to push uh, what Disney and some of those people out of the, out of the way. <laughs> so, so is it called The Hill? The Hill. It was about a, about a young boy that uh, he was uh, handicapped. He had, he had to wear braces, but he loved baseball. Yeah. Okay. It was a true story. Oh, cool. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Greg Carwell says, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Well, good morning, Brother Greg. And mm -hmm. so... Um, Miss Gretchen went to the movies, <laughs> and Jason. Jack I didn't know about the thing last night until you announced it Sunday morning. So. Well, we we really didn't have a plan. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of off the whim, and a lot of things um, just kind of spontaneous. But it was yeah, it was good. It was very good, and we have um, several several guests from other churches came, and um, it was just a really powerful time. Gave their testimony. Yeah, stuff. some of them cool. did. It was just awesome. Um, really, good. really great. It was a smaller crowd, so we only had probably about, what, 30 or 40 there, Hannah? Mm -hmm. um, it was a smaller crowd, so yeah. you're able to do that a little bit more. Uh, but it, it was just an awesome time in the presence of the Lord, and um, the anointing was really strong and uh, mm -hmm. just really worshiping. It was it was awesome. I, like, when I'm worshiping, I, me and Heather were, you know, doing worship. But I, like, I don't open my eyes a lot because I don't like to look at people while they're worshiping, like, the whole time. You know, I kind of sometimes will occasionally open my eyes. But when I did open my eyes, like, at first everybody was in their seats worshiping. And then I opened my eyes, and then everybody's just at the altar. Like, every single person pretty much is at the front of the church, just either, like, on their knees or 
you know, just with flags or whatever they, they're doing. But it was just a cool sight to see when I was like, at one moment, everybody's, you know, they're sitting in their seats. And then at another moment, everybody's just giving their all and worship. So that was really awesome. Yep. Jason, how was your all's homecoming yesterday? Oh, it was good. I had a good time. Did you have good food? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a Baptist church. So, yeah, it was lots of casseroles. <laughs> huh. I had casseroles i didn't even know what they consisted of but I <laughs> but put, you tried them i put them away yeah well that's dedication so, right there um yeah it was good that we had uh duval's chapel and uh, i guess greenville maybe i don't know yeah exactly where it's at but uh, brother gary embry is the pastor there that was mm-hmm. kelly's pastor for years and her mom's pastor so he had moved down there and we went to that homecoming triumphant the quartet sang and so that was good really good did you sing with them uh i, I didn't <laughs> well if they would have knew who they had in the house they would ask you to I come join to, them i said to them i said perhaps you've heard of me before <laughs> i sang. you know the, the song mary did you know <laughs> you could have said i sing on the radio a couple times um i don't know if no, you these heard guys me. were talented <laughs> yeah they had that real uh strong bass guy you know yeah and then the real high tenor fella and then the yeah. two guys in between, I don't know what they're called them, but <laughs> see, that's what I haven't figured out yet. Do I sing bass, tenor? This guy sang really good bass or soprano. Yeah. Was that? Um, uh, I forgot the guy's name. That Scotty, yeah, was. Um, is was it his dad? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we heard them. Um, but they they were the two in between. Baritone is one of them. Okay. There I don't. Go. I can't remember the other one. Soprano and alto are for women. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't women. They were men. <laughs> well, then but, how does like an all men's quartet sing them? Yeah, I know there's. It, it, they're just different words for it, but there are men that can sing soprano. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Cook. <laughs> this guy, the tenor fellow, kind of remind me of that. <laughs> huh. He was no James Knupp, though. <laughs> Few are. Um, <laughs> anyway. Well, I'm glad well, they were you, good. That was really good. I'm glad you all had a feast and. Um, it was just a good day, good weekend. I know uh, Wilson Home had an incredible time at their tent revi- their tent out there. Nico was telling us last night, and um, I think they're going to stay in the tent for a little while, she said. So, oh, that's cool. Um, I th- think she said on Wednesday night they're going to go back to the church on Wednesday night Bible studies, but on Sunday mornings they're going to keep meeting in the tent for a while. So I think that's really Where's cool. Uh, on 54, right past the po- cars on the pole. Wilson Home Church, and so she was telling me that last night. So, right had a past great time. what the cars and the pole. If you're on 54, there's the some cars, cars and the pole. There, there's cars sitting on a pole. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. just right past that. Yeah, <laughs> right there. Um, and so <laughs> everybody knows where that is. I think it was on a television show not too long ago, like uh, mm-hmm. one of those. I know the uh, uh, fellows from the uh, what's it called. American Pickers that they came yeah. to Lichfield. Is that what it was? That maybe maybe it was those guys. Maybe it was. That was a little while ago. I don't think it was like yesterday by any means. That's but, true, yeah. But is that even a show anymore? I have no idea. I don't either. I have no idea. Did you ever watch it before, Hannah? I American? think I have. Is that where they're doing like, uh, what's yeah. the word that I can't think they of? They go around looking at people's junk. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, that's not junk. It's called treasures. <laughs> uh, that's what I heard, at least. It was called treasures. And I me, think, I think it's on my Roku. Something. It might be uh, on like one of the. Yeah, it's like syndicated now or whatever. Uh, the, I don't know. Uh, it might be on with the. 
Home and Garden Network or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the Home Garden Network? It was on the yeah. History Channel. I know that. The History Channel. Mm -hmm. but. Yeah, I think I've seen it scrolling through sometime. <laughs> mm. Well, we have some announcements we're going to knock out today. Miss Gale says, how is the men's choiring? I mean, men's choir coming. <laughs> After uh, seeing those uh, quartet yesterday, I feel like we got a long way to go. Um, those guys were really good. Hey, but the more people you have, the less that one stands out. Well, you that's could, the thing with the whole choir. But if it's a quartet, you can only have four. But, well, I guess we could have a bunch. Yeah, if you have a whole choir, then... It would be a choir, not a quartet, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you're not focusing so much on the one voice unless one person's being really loud. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish I could sing bass like that one fella. <laughs> I'm trying to think of Jason singing bass. <laughs> he came like real deep. Like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like you'd be more of a baritone. Probably so. Yeah, that middle, well, lower middle. I'd be more of a tenor. Yeah, yeah, you would definitely. <laughs> All right. All right, here we go. Uh, Ms. Gail, we will be working on this. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> we want people to come back to church the next week. Um of course, tonight, if you're a young adult and you want to come over and participate in the young adult youth group, I mean, not youth group, young adult uh, group over there, 630 is going to be over in our fellowship hall, um, youth sanctuary. And then there's also Bible study for um, anybody who wants to come at 6 o'clock as well. And then we've got the Harvest Crusade cart. Oh, I cannot talk this morning. The Harvest Crusade now coming up September 10th, 11th, and 12th here at Bethel Fellowship. Uh, Brother Lance Johnson is going to be here all three nights. We'll start September the 10th at 6 o'clock and then September 11th and 12th at 7 o'clock p.m. And then we've got September 14th, 15th, and 16th. Uh, Pastor Dwayne Kidd is doing a Setting the Captives Free camp meeting. Um, I don't think he's preaching every night. I think it's. I think they're kind of keeping it nameless and faceless, which is really cool. But if you are struggling with life bound by addictions, abuse, depression, anxiety, loss, sick, or hurting, then you are invited to come out and be set free. It is at 4834 South Jackson Highway, Horse Cave, Kentucky, starting at 6 o'clock p.m. nightly. And then our 2000... What was the dates now? Uh, September 14th, 15th, and 16th. Um, and then you can get the date set for our 2023 Fall Shareathon here at the Box 2 Radio. <coughs> it is going to be called Gathering the Harvest. Because together we're going to start gathering the harvest. We're seeing the harvest already gathered, but um, we um, we're we're anticipating more and more of the harvest to come in. We've seen um, personally just I don't even know how many people we have seen born again or saved lately, um, and it's just amazing to see what God is doing in the earth. And it's not just us. I hear churches all the time talking about how God's doing this and God's doing this and the harvest truly is coming in. And yesterday we talked on fruit and how important it is to have the fruit of the Spirit because really if you go to Proverbs 11.30 where it mm -hmm. talks about winning souls, he actually talks about the fruit of the righteous being a part of that. Mm -hmm. And because when we when we produce fruit, fruit, people around us are feeding off of it every day. Like what we do, people eat off of. And when they eat of good fruit, there's a seed in the fruit that will produce something in them tomorrow. And so it's important to have fruit. It's important to get out to the harvest because, honestly, at the end of the day, the world is hungry and it's up to the church to feed it. And it's not just physical. If they're hopeless, we got to feed them hope. If they're broken, we got to feed them peace. If they're restless, we got to give them something to sure stand on. That's the, 
that is the true rock, the foundation, Jesus. And um, it's up to us to produce the fruit that feeds the nations. And so Miss um, <clears throat> Gale says, if you made a request in the church Sunday service, you would probably get a response for the men's choir. <laughs> She's pushing that choir. Probably. She is. I mean, she is. We're Pro- serious about this. Probably. But here's my here's my thing. If there's a request that's met and a response to that request, then I'm not 100% sure the, the response would be completely pure. Yeah. I don't know if they'd want to do it so that we can lead them into worship as much as they would just like to laugh. <laughs> um, and so I don't know which one it is. Would they want to laugh at us? Because we would give them a lot of content to laugh. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of who could sing. I know Todd sings. But uh, I think there would be some ones that would want to do of that. to be serious. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, I, and then we can find the ones that are hiding their, their talent. Yeah. And we don't yeah. even know it. I keep thinking about that uh, Andy Griffith show, the time that uh, they had the choir and they had uh, uh, Barney. They didn't want him to sing, <laughs> so they they yeah. pretended Simbles. like his mic, you know, was really, really, you know, <laughs> could really, really pick up his voice. So he had to keep just kind of basically moving his lips. <laughs> that probably would be it. And then they had uh, what was it? What another guy in the background that was singing his voice? <laughs> All right. Well, the uh, here I'll do this. We will have. A men's choir one day if Josh Milburn and Greg Carwell come and join us. There we go. So if Greg Carwell and Josh Milburn agree to come join us for one day for a men's choir, we will do it. And Miss Gail said it's all how you present it. Well, I would never present anything bad, Miss Gail. I would just do it with a wholehearted um, expectation to have a pure response. Um, Joey Sosh sent me his dad joke of the day. What did zero say to eight? That belt looks good on you. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All righty. Well, let's get into John chapter 18. Um, let me see here. I'm getting over there. <clears throat> uh, Greg Carwell said, let's do it. Oh, 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 I've got myself in a mess now. Okay, yeah, I didn't think. Like you, you shouldn't have spoke up. Um, all right, verse 33. Um, we did that one yesterday. I mean, Friday. Um, Because he talks about his kingdom's not of this world. And we've already, I think we finished actually John 18, did we? We did. Um, Because we got to where the soldiers put a crown of thorns on his head. Mm -hmm. And then they put and said, hell, king of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. So I think that's where we finished Friday. So we'll start with four. Then Pilate, therefore, went forth again. Hold on, what were we at? 19 or 19? 19, 19, 19, verse four. four. We're booking on a loan. Yeah. Along, Boy. we are getting ready to. We're once we finish John, then we will go to Hebrews, and Hebrews will be taught a little bit different because John is a lot of narrative still. Like you're still going through the yeah the life and the 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 narrative of of Jesus, even though John is written differently than the Synoptic Gospel, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, I think John is written more about the Son of God, and he's not so much going through the public discourses as much as he is the private discourses, but everything is yet still a narrative, and he's still getting you through the narrative, whereas Hebrews is going to be more... Um, verse by verse. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it'll be it'll be a little bit different in Hebrews. Yeah. Um, but Pilate, in verse 4, therefore went there forth again and said unto him, Behold, 
I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus, then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priest therefore and officers said to him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him, and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Then Jesus answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. So the Jews answered him. Yeah. Oh, the Jews. Okay, sorry. Um, I thought it said Jesus, too. I don't have my glasses on. But the like, Jews answered like something him. Something doesn't sound right Yeah, there. sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's Monday morning. Um, <clears throat> so Pilate, therefore, when he come out, he did tell them. He was like, look, I find no fault in him. Yeah. But still, to me, Pilate is just being a good politician. He, he made it to where he's letting him know, I don't find any fault with him. But I'm not going to stop this crucifixion if that's yeah. really what you all want. Yeah, just playing both sides of the fence. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, and really, I would say Pilate was probably under a lot of like pressure because he had to keep the peace. That was one of his jobs. Mm-hmm. And if he would not have allowed Jesus to be crucified, then it would have been disruption to the city. And that could have cost him his position even his life if he did not hold up his end of the bargain of keeping peace and um of course earlier if you go back to the triumphal entry whenever they're throwing palm trees down branches Mm -hmm. declaring him to be the king um you know it's i could see where Pilate's getting a little nervous but yet Pilate's playing the politician right and again he's he's saying i find no fault in jesus but yet jews if you want to crucify him Let's crucify him. Mm-hmm. And, of course, all this is so prophecy may be fulfilled, but do you let, Jason, do you let Pilate off the hook at all? I don't. No, no, I don't. Um, and I just, you know, it really kind of makes him look even worse by trying to, you know, pacify both groups. Mm-hmm. You know, spineless, I guess you would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, uh, so Pilate's wife was the one that had the dream, right? Yeah. That said... <clears throat> you know, but she kind of warned him, you know, you know, take your hands off this situation. But and so he kind of had a, a little, he was a little forewarned there. And uh, so he, like you said, he was trying to uh, spare himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Which that John does not cover mm-hmm. his wife having a dream, mm-hmm. um, but the other gospels do. And it was a forewarning. It was a, you know, but he didn't heed it Mm-mm. really. Well, kind of in a way, you kind of think that's might be, maybe he was thinking, you know, my wife did warn me about this, and so here's my opportunity to, you know, take my hands off of it. But, yeah. you know, I don't think it uh, served him. Um, my commentary says that when he brought Jesus forth with the crown of thorns on his head, you know, that, you know, was that spectacle he was hoping would, would kind of, uh, you know, get the people pacified there. You know the, the blood running down his head and things like that. You know, I guess. Yeah, but obviously it didn't work. Yeah, because he was sitting there and thinking, you know, if I tell them there's no fault, maybe they'll back off. But they don't, mm-hmm. because now the Jews answered, "We have a law, and by our law he ought to die," because he really blasphemed them. Mm-hmm. And then when P- when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. Well, I didn't even know he was afraid yet. Yeah. 
But now he's saying he's even more afraid. Right. Well, who's he afraid of? Is he afraid of the people? Probably losing his position because but mainly his his problem is they're saying that he declared himself to be a god, mm-hmm. which is going to cause problems with Caesar. Yeah. And if he doesn't do something as the Roman governor, then they can accuse him of, you know, treason, basically. Yeah. yeah. So do you think internally Pilate really don't want to do any of this? No, I don't think he. I don't think he wants to crucify Jesus at all. You know, and it could be that he's just you know doesn't really care about their, you know, the the Jews and their traditions and all that. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, he's a politician, so he's trying to. Mm-hmm. You know, Keep he was self right. clean. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? So you got to remember that the Jews are not in the judgment hall with Jesus because. That would have made them unceremonial, clean, unclean, um, ceremonial, unclean for the Passover feast that's coming up. And so they're outside. He keeps walking back and forth. And then he comes back into the judgment hall and said unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Peter, I mean, Peter, then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee? And have power to release thee. And so Pilate, I think here, people interpret this as he's very aggressive or haughty. I actually really don't think he is at this moment. I think he's trying to get Jesus to answer him because he's trying to tell Jesus, if you'll work with me, yeah, I can release you or I can keep you bound. Right. Like I have power to either keep you or power to release you. Now, this is what's amazing is Jesus don't take the I don't really I don't even know if Pilate is really trying to bait him at this moment. I actually almost believe Pilate's trying to help him. I think so too. I think mm-hmm. he's trying to get both of them out of a difficult position. But it could be very well like like uh, in the in the wilderness, you know, when mm-hmm. Satan was I think it the enemy's probably probably using Pilate yeah. to uh I- anything that he can do to keep Jesus from fulfilling the what he was put, come to earth to do, mm-hmm. you know, he or or to do it uh, out, you know, quicker than what it was supposed to be done. Like you know, uh, Satan was trying to tempt Jesus, you know, to go ahead and you know get your kingdom now, or uh, mm-hmm. you know, you know, if you uh, jump off this uh, and the angels protect you, you know, you know, you you anything he can do to keep. I think he knew that something was up. And I have to stop whatever's going on, right. you know. Yep. And of course, he couldn't because th- this was whole, Jesus' whole purpose. You know, this whole this was his plan. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Greg Carwell gave a text. I'm gonna read here in just a second. But Jesus answered, though. This was his response to Pilate. Mm-hmm. Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivereth me unto me, thee, hath the greater sin. Well, who are these? The Jews. Yeah, the Sanhedrin. So Jesus is letting Pilate off a lot more than we are. Yeah. But but I don't think Pilate is excused. No. I don't think Jesus is even excusing him. He's just saying, you don't have no power against me. Like, because Pilate was actually trying to say, I do have the power to do this, and if you'll, you'll work with me, I'll help you. And then Jesus' response is, you really don't have power. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, Jesus realized if he dashed his foot against a 
a toe against a rock, you can call down legions of angels. So that's legions, and you know that's that could be thousands and thousands and thousands of angels. So he's like, you really don't have power at all. Like I can get out of this if I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can and I won't because yeah. I've got to fulfill the plan. Yep. He said, therefore, he that delivereth me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. So now yeah. I think. Well, that's what yep. Dex was saying there. Yeah. yeah. I think Pilate's almost thinking about, like, okay, I don't know. Like, I think Pilate's really struggling. Mm-hmm. And then I would say the Jews saw that Pilate was struggling as well. And they said, hold up. If you don't do this, Pilate. Played their trump card, yeah. uh, We're going to Caesar. And you really want to, like, let another self-proclaimed king Mm -hmm. go through with it and threaten Caesar's throne? I don't think Caesar's going to be too happy with it. (laughs) And then when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment hall seat in a place that is called the pavement. But in the Hebrew... Gabbatha, and it was the preparation of the Passover. So let's just stop there for a second again. Even though Pilate, I think, is sensing that Jesus should not be crucified, he is becoming then, he will become, but right now he's still becoming more consumed with what he can see temporarily, uh, temporarily, like in right in the now. And I think we as humans do the same thing. Um. We try to satisfy the right now instead of looking at the big picture. And even Paul talks about this to a minute. We have to, I think it was in Corinthians, where he says the temporal sufferings of this world pale in comparison to the eternal glory that's waiting upon us. And I'm not trying to compare these two, but I am saying, like, we are so short-sighted that Mm -hmm. we never think of the long game, the, Mm -hmm. the, the eternal plan, not just the today plan. And I think this is what Pilate's facing I think Pilate's probably, even through his wife, is probably getting a sense like, this is probably a holy man. This is probably somebody mm-hmm. I don't want to mess with. And he's telling me I don't have power. I, Pilate's probably getting really worried at this point. Yeah. And I don't think anyone there could not sense and feel the spiritual warfare. Yeah. And I'm sure Pilate could feel it. He may, he may not have understood it, but I'm sure he could feel the weightiness and the heaviness of that moment. You know, and it probably scared him quite a bit. Yeah. Because, you know, he was a heathen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but then we will see, and I, I we got to stop there for today, that Pilate will bow down. And I think so often in our own lives, we bow down to the now. We yeah. bow down to the pressure. We bow down to the peer pressure. And even in, um, you know, we there's been so many times that as churches we bow down to the opinions of man yeah. and to the control of man and because the threats and really like, I know, like, um, I want to be, I want to be careful when I say this, because I don't want to like make the presumption that all these Jews have like the spirit of Jezebel or something like that. But this is really what the manipulation has been like throughout the. If you go back to Jezebel and Ahab and stuff like that, these this is the manipulation. I'll do this. I'll tell them. I'll do this. I'll take away your authority. And this is the one thing you couldn't shake Jesus with. And this is why he was able to have authority over the enemy is because when the enemy came and presented authority to him, he denied it and quoted scripture and said, I've got, I'm, I have authority. You don't even know yet. Like, and I don't need your authority. And I think this is where we have to be careful in the church. Cause if we look to gain authority from man and not from God, 
then we will always bow our knee to our positions. And instead of the word and the truth of the Father and the word of God. And I think this is what Pilate's doing. I think Pilate is really struggling here. I think Pilate's playing the politician. Pilate's trying to do all this. But at the end of the day, he has this thing presented for him that, hey, even your wife knows that this is a holy man and we should not crucify him. But because of his fear of losing his position, he was willing to kill Jesus, the Son of God. And I think that even in our own churches sometimes, we're willing to kill a move of God. We're willing to suppress things that the Spirit of God is doing. We're willing to stop it because it may not be um, what we think it should be. And I'm trying to be careful with Pilate because I think Pilate will still be held accountable for his actions 100%. But I see us playing this same game sometimes where there's these warnings. Don't touch this. Don't do this. Yet we do it anyway because we want to bow our knee to the opinions and the fear of man. Uh, Miss Gale says, according to um, the Psychopedia, Pilate was already in trouble at Jesus' trial. After the trial, he was later ordered by um, Caligula. Caligula. Uh, Caligula. How do you say that? Caligula. How do you know how that? <laughs> um, I like history. Oh. Caligula was nuts, sword. I'll tell you. Yeah. Sounds like cauliflower without the flower. <laughs> but I thought Caligula was a little later on. So I don't know. And maybe I have to look at the pronunciation. The spelling, I'm sorry. It looks right. I was impressed. <laughs> That was impressive. <laughs> I thought you were just it like. It was fast. It was like Caligula. <laughs> I mean, he never has any problem correcting me because I need correcting a lot on my pronunciation on uh, Mondays. Yeah. Yeah. But never that fast and sharp without even asking the spelling. Well, I just I just know. It's <laughs> a memory job. I'm I'm not, not that I'm a fan of Caligula. <laughs> Do you have like his T-shirt at home or something? Well, he was, he like I said, he was nuts. He uh, he had some mental issues. Made his horse a senator, yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. True. true. I mean, the, the ferociousness of your correction there, was that <laughs> similar if somebody um, really mispronounced, <laughs> what was that guy's name you love to sing? <laughs> Who's that now? Who's your favorite singer? James Canup? No, other one. <laughs> Rich Mullins? Yeah, Rich Mullins. If somebody mispronounced Rich Mullins' names, he would he would fire yeah. back that sharp, too. So, Ferociousness. Yep. yep. Um, all, right. all right. Well, we'll do our Monday question number one. We're in this two-week period here. Uh, Monday question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. Who had a dream about birds eating out of a basket on his head? Who had a dream about birds eating out of a basket on his head? We're going to be right back here after the break on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All righty, we are back here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that anything is possible because we serve a God of the making them possible, possible. Amen. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That was my fault. Um, And so, but we are excited for what God is doing in the earth. We have some great Bible questions for you today. If you ever want to interact with the broadcast, get your Bible questions in. 
You can do that by texting in at 270-230-6337. Again, that's 270-230-6337. You can get your Bible question in. You can engage with the conversation. Um, We'd love to have as much engagement as possible here on the morning broadcast. Well, number one, uh, no, not yet. No idea. You don't know yet? No. Well, maybe it stumped the listeners. Yeah. Um, hmm. <clears throat> all right, so let's see here. I'm trying to figure out where to start. I guess we can just work through the list. Caligula, they think Caligula maybe was responsible for um, the death of Peter. And Caligula? Caligula. Caligula. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Responsible anyway. for the death of Peter? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Um, now that I've now that I've said it, it doesn't sound. I'm not as confident as I was before I said it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to look into this Caligula yeah. guy. Um, anyway. That's kind of a hard name to say. I it mean, is, I yeah. guess when you have a T-shirt with his name on yep. it, like Jason does, it you get used to saying his name, Caligula. Yep. All right. Um, is there a um, cabbage casserole? Uh-huh. Ugh. Your Aunt Greta makes them all the time. I <laughs> ate broccoli Saturday. Oh, that's good. It was disgusting, and I gagged, and I about threw up. But I ate, I I ate had a broccoli piece of casserole broccoli. yesterday. I, my plate, I had one of those big rectangular plates. It was nothing but casserole. It was just that breading. I just had green bean casserole. I guess it was cabbage casserole, broccoli casserole. Some other casserole. I don't know what it was. But it was uh, good. And then I had some pasta salad. Pretty much like forbid that. cabbage to be made in my house because yeah. it stinks so bad. <laughs> uh, it does stink, yeah. It smells like dirty shoes. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's, But it's good. I like it. Uh, I don't know about this broccoli thing. I did try it, but it was... Uh, I had a broccoli I had, casserole. Yeah, I had like a pasta salad with a yeah. some broccoli in it's it. It's got the Ritz crackers crumbled up on top. Look, I feel so healthy eating that one little piece of broccoli. I don't think there's anything healthy about broccoli casserole. But but I don't. I probably won't have to eat another piece of broccoli till at least I'm 45. Um, That's how healthy I felt after that one piece. I could feel my my body was cleansed. I felt the energy. Raw or cooked? It was raw. Oh, that's not yeah. Um, But it was it was even healthier for that. I mean, it was yeah. If you cook it, you really take out any healthiness out of it my skin changed it was it was an amazing experience i can see why this green food stuff really works for people um all right so bible question number one without any casserole in it what does the acceptable year of the lord mean in luke chapter 4 verse 18 through 19 so um let's do this i'm gonna read from the esv because it is monday and i'm struggling enough to read already on a monday so um, let me get to something here. Luke four eighteen nineteen. Miss Gretchen, you got it pulled up there. Yes. You can go ahead if you want to go ahead and read it. King James. <laughs> That's fine. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to let a, at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Well. I think that um, here now, Jason, help me out here because you may know this or Hannah, Miss Gretchen, anybody. Oh boy. Is this the year of Jubilee? I have no idea. Setting the captives free. You think that's kind of because the Jubilee was. That's what John Wesley thinks. Sounds yep. like it. Said plainly alluding to the year of Jubilee, yeah. where all both debtors and servants were set free. 
that's kind of what I'm feeling like because it's really the ESV uses the the year of the Lord's favor, proclaim mm-hmm. the year of the Lord's favor, which would have been the year of Jubilee because that's whenever everybody was set free from their debts and be it was basically a new beginning for them. And so I think really what Je- um, Jesus was doing here was he was setting the captives free, recovering the sight of the blind, to set liberty at those who were oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's fa- favor, which is basically saying this is the year that the Lord turns everything around. And I think he's becoming... He's quoting from uh, uh, what? Isaiah. Isaiah, Isaiah mm-hmm. 61. Yep. Okay. So to me, the acceptable year of the Lord is basically saying this is the this is the year of the Lord. Like this is the year this is the now time. This is this is the time that he has chosen to do this. This is the year. Um and he's But is he fulfilling him. a prophecy there? Well he would from, have been from yeah, Isaiah. He's fulfilling the prophecy that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him mm-hmm. and he's anointed him and he's gonna proclaim good news to the poor. So yes, I would say that um it is a fulfillment of prophecy. Because this is what he does. I mean, he does proclaim good news to the poor. Mm-hmm. He does proclaim liberty to the captives. He does give sight back to the blind. He does set free those who are oppressed. And he's doing it all. And this is becoming the year that the Lord's goodness favor is being shown. This is acceptable the year, the year of the Lord. He's basically saying this is the year that he has chosen to do this. And it's like the year of Jubilee where everybody gets set free. Hmm. Even a prisoner got set free. People were set free from debts. People were set free from contracts. People were set free from everything during the year of Jubilee. We really need to have another one of those. Mm -hmm. All debts raised, everything done. Hallelujah. (laughs) Jason, you just own your house. That's good. But I think there's there's a significance part there when, you know, in verse 20, it says, and he closed the book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but in Isaiah 61, at the there was it says to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance vengeance of God of our God to comfort all that mourn to point unto them that mourn in Zion and to give unto them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning so it's it's like um, uh, he he stops there because that the rest of it's not going to be fulfilled <coughs> until you sure. know, he, he returns yeah you know? so. But he does sit down in the synagogue uh-huh. and he says and begins to say to them, today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's basically saying, I'm he. Yeah. Because at this point, he sat down this, up to this point. Yeah. And then. Um, because he sat down and all the eyes came upon him. So could you imagine Jesus is reading in the synagogue, sitting down and then everybody's looking at him and say, today, y'all have heard this fulfilled. Mm-hmm. That's a mic drop. When we were in Israel, uh, of course, we were with a group of uh, ministers and so everywhere we went, the minister, they would choose one of the ministers to uh, uh, do a devotion. Yep. You know, and uh, so uh, I remember the one of the ministers was when we was at, at the point where they said that this is the only place that Jesus could have done the Sermon on the Mount, mm. you know, and because uh, it was kind of like a little valley and he, he they had the minister to go to the kind of walk down to that valley. And they, and they said, don't use your preaching voice, just just speak, you know, and we were amazed at how his, the voice carried, you know, so that, uh, you know, you know, it's kind of like a natural um, amphitheater. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, but Brother Ron, though, uh, when we uh, we were at the at the at the church of an, I think it was the Church of Annunciation. Is that anyway? That's um, um, 
that's where Brother Ron got to do his devotion, and it was at this the same to the church where Jesus did this, and so he used that scripture, you know, to, uh, and also explained it like, like I just said that, uh, you know, Jesus did he's going getting ready to fulfill everything up to the point of the the day of vengeance, so, and that's why he closed the book. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty amazing too. I like that. Uh, Hannah, you got anything? Um, no, I was just looking here at um, an interlinear and then some different commentaries. They basically all say the same thing. Box about Ray, the say, how may I help you? Um, huh. Interesting. Hey, Kay. I missed most of that. It is. It is. I had to step out. I got choked on my granola bar. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Miss Kay. It is Pharaoh's life Baker. Flash I get your name for this drawing. <laughs> uh, we anyway. are doing a gift card. You know, yep. we can move on from All that right, in a second. But wouldn't that be just, I don't know, whenever something like that happens to me, I'm like, this is not the way that I would want to go. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, if, if that was to happen, like, it would seem so silly, like a silly way to go, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Boy. I missed the way I, we're going. I, I, guess, that, I guess that's <laughs> what I get for uh, eating a granola bar on Cho- there. Him choking on his granola <laughs> bar. I, th- I was trying to figure out where somebody was going in the scripture. I was like, wait a second, this thing doesn't have been thinking about death. This is about life and freeing yeah. free the oppressed and giving sight to the blind. Where's the death? I didn't know he's talking about Jason choking on a granola bar. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, don't waste it. Yeah. <laughs> don't waste death. I mean, like, yeah. if you're going to go out, go out and cool away or something like that, <laughs> yeah, right? That's what I was <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cause uh, of death, granola bar. <laughs> for a moment, I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I would come down. I would have I gave you the Heimlich remover. <laughs> remover? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I always called it. <laughs> Not the maneuver. It's the remover because you're removing something. That's what I think they should have called it. All right. That's good. It makes more sense, I right? Yeah, I does. can't really argue with it you. Does. I just say it all the time. It I've really said it is. since I was a kid. The Heimlich remover. <laughs> Instead of the maneuver, it's the Heimlich remover because you're removing something from their esophagus. There you go. <laughs> it's lodged there. Oh, I like it. <laughs> all right. All right. Anyways, we're having too much fun. All right. Miss um, Kay Decker got that answer right on the first trivia question. Who had the dream about his... Uh, about birds eating out of a basket on his head. It was Pharaoh's baker. Okay. Genesis 40, verse 16 through 17. Yeah. You remember it now, don't you, Jason? <laughs> no, I, I mean, it makes sense, but I would never have gotten that in a million years. Um, <laughs> it's like I that old song. It's coming back to me now. <laughs> All right. Um, you would have guessed at Elijah? That's what that well, I guess would have been. The birds I, did bring him food. In your yeah, defense. that's what I was thinking. But yeah. All so. right. <clears throat> All right, so we did answer... Are we, did we get that answer? Hold on. I believe Jesus was speaking spiritually as well. People were blind to the truth. They were held captive by sin, and they couldn't walk in righteousness. Um, I think right. it's a year of jubilee, and I think everybody's being set free. Hallelujah. So that's what the acceptable year of the Lord means. Uh-huh. I believe it does. Mm-hmm. I believe it's the year of the Lord's favor, which would have been considered the jubilee year. And I don't okay now I don't so think I don't know what was he saying though to preach the year of jubilee or was he saying that that in Christ every year is a year of jubilee or I mean I don't know what I'm not sure Well the I think he came to proclaim that this is now the time. Now do I think there was a physical year of jubilee? I don't think that was the cycle lineup at this point because okay. it's every 50 years. Right. Um and I don't think that's I'm not saying this so he was saying I come to tell you that's jubilee year because he wouldn't have to tell them that. They would already known that. They would understand the significance yes. of his reference there. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
I think he was saying now is the time it's here. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the one that you've been waiting for is here, and I'm here to proclaim that this is the Lord's timing, that this spiritual jubilee that's coming, this physical jubilee that's coming to people, it is here now. This is the year of the Lord's favor. All right. And so that's, I like it. That's what I believe he's saying right there. Um, <clears throat> Let's go read the, num- the next question. Uh, this is a good one. Might as well get ourselves in deep water. Um, should a person who's been convicted of a crime in their past be permitted to serve in the church? This is a hard question, and this is why it's a hard question. There is a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. You'd have to know the crime. You'd have to know all the surrounding evidence. But I do want to say that first and foremost, God redeems. Yeah, God's grace and restoration is amazing. But there are probably there could very well be some things that you did in your life that would prevent you from serving in the church. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not trying to be mean. It's just like if there are certain crimes you commit. I'm not saying it prevents you from being saved right. and serving some way. Redeemed, yeah. But I'm talking about like if you committed certain crimes, you're not going to work around children. Mm-hmm. All right, there may be a legal thing that prevents you from working yeah. around. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I think there's a lot to unpack in this question. Now, if you've embezzled money, well, I think there's probably some places you can serve in the church. Just you not may not be the treasurer, yeah. and you may not be in the business office, but there's some places you may be able to work. Yeah. Um, if you've... And that's just wisdom, I guess. Yeah. I think you have to think through it with your leadership team. Yeah. And I think every case will be different based upon the leadership team and their discernment and what... Because God's given them the task yeah. to lead. But and there's so, there's many many people who in their past, but when they were you know heathens, yes, did some some stupid things or bad even bad things you know, yeah. and so that wouldn't necessarily exclude you from being active and mm-hmm. and serving I don't in think the so church. And depending on if you were under the influence of if you've been delivered from addiction right. and you were under the influence of you know yeah. substances and things like that. <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> I mean I think there, I think there are certain things like. If you're in trouble because of things with children, mm-hmm. again, you're not working on children, but mm-hmm. could you mow the grass one day? I don't know. Like, I guess it would depend on what the restrictions are and stuff like that. Right. But I would be very careful. Like, I would be very cautious of that. And I don't know as a leader what I would do necessarily. But also we're not the, like, we can't isolate people from right. coming to church sort of deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's it's that hard thing. Um well, there was Paul, you know. I mean, he was, what, killing Christians and yeah. everything. And right. So, and and the early church, they, you know, they were cautious. They were, uh, you know, about about yeah. him being, you know, under uh, any leadership there. And they, you know, they kind of was watching him. <laughs> I'm hesitant to say. As they should have. I mean, you uh-huh. know. I mean. Oh, sure. He, he had a, well, a he did change. A, yeah. But, you know, his past indicated that. And he, they thought maybe this is just a trick, you yeah. know, that. You know, he was so I, I could understand that, but his character, you know, mm-hmm. won them over. And, right. and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, I'm hesitant to say yes or no. Like, yeah. I just don't want to answer that. Like, that's what I'm saying. Maybe this case, if this is the case, you would have trouble here. You'd have caution here. Would You, you may not be able to do this because I think every case would be different. I think you'd have to bring it before the leadership team and seeing exactly now this is about serving in the church in a position right not not attending yeah we're not talking about that um and and, and there's lots of preachers you know that you know that has a really shaded uh testimony you know yeah <laughs> you know but uh, you know and god is using them you know 
uh, and uh, I, I was thinking of uh, I was I had I haven't read it all, but I start. Uh, someone had uh, had posted a Nikki Cruz testimony, and uh, you know I mean God is just using him in a powerful way. I mean yeah. his his uh, he was a murderer, right? And his parents uh, his his uh, parents were witches, and uh, really yes and. And his mother, I mean, basically said, I hate you and I uh, wish you were dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't love you. To her son? <laughs> to her son, yeah. And, uh, huh. you know, sent him to, uh, he was in New York. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, got involved in all the gangs and everything. There's no telling what all what all yeah. he did. But, um, I mean, he's not a pastor of a church, I don't think. I think, but he definitely is an evangelist and and uh, preaches and, and uh, you know. Yeah. Has you know has amazing results too. Miss you know. um, Gale sent First Timothy three, which probably I didn't turn to it. I think that's where the qualification for leadership is at. Uh -huh. But I do want to say this: we cannot hold unbelievers condemned right. prior mm -hmm. to conversion. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So those, if if someone lived up to all those prior to conversion, well, they're they're rocking it like. Usually what I found a lot of times is a lot of men and women who le step into leadership after that, you know, they didn't have a squeaky clean past, but yet the testimony of who they are now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that even plays out to an extent, even if a believer falls, because I can tell you this, I probably don't live up to every one of those perfectly by any means. And I don't think that just because we have a struggle or we have an issue that we're disqualified. I think if we intentionally, unrepentantly do it over and over and we mm -hmm. make a practice lifestyle of it, now we've got a problem. But just because somebody commits something one or two times or struggles, maybe even a little bit about it, like I don't want to say that's just an instant disqualifier for, for leadership. And I don't want to say any crime is or isn't either. That's why I'm like hesitant. Like there might be select few that you even have a legal restriction on what can be done. But overall, like, there's people who has committed murder that turn into great preachers. Um, there's people that sow drugs that lead powerful churches. There's people yeah. that's participated in sexual issues that are powerful pastors. So it's like all these things take place. I think every case is different. I think you have to use wisdom. Um, now, I would engage more in a conversation if crimes were committed while they were in leadership. Yeah. Now, I think that would be a different conversation if you are in, um, Dwayne Kitt said, Crossing the Switchblade is a movie about Nikki Cruz. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But I think if you're like a pastor and you're caught embezzling money from your church, then you go to, you serve prison time and you come back out. Like, thou, that question becomes a lot more intriguing once that happens. Does that yeah. make sense? Because I don't know, like, I think. I think that's why every single thing well, has to you know, play into that. As a as church leadership, you have to protect the flock. Yes. And so if someone has had a failure in that area in the past, you would be very cautious about putting them in a position, you know, that was an area of weakness for them. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's, that's just wisdom as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe they could serve in other areas or, mm -hmm. or you know, or mm -hmm. something like that, you know, but you know, you wouldn't want to set someone up for failure mm -hmm. yeah, and, and, and cause them to be tempted. And I think what, even what you preached about yesterday, Aaron, about the fruit, like that's something that has to be taken into consideration. Like people's fruit will show, like they will have good, be producing good fruit if they are where they say they are. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think the one thing we have to be careful on these questions is what I have seen happen a lot in the church is people come with good gifts, mm-hmm. and they'll let gifts trump character, and then they wonder why the mess keeps happening. Uh, at the end of the day, it leadership positions and people serving in the church should not be based upon gifting as much as they are based upon character. Because I would rather have a leader who has fruitful character and godly foundation and godly patience and love and mercy who preaches okay than a person who preaches the house down but then can't get along with anybody who's arrogant and haughty, who is completely opposite of what the fruit of the Spirit is. So for me, I think anytime we pick people to serve, um, choose people to serve in the ministry, what's, whatever it looks like, I think it's always got to be character over gifting. And because gifting will take you where your character can't keep you. And I feel like a lot of times when stuff happens in the church, it's because we did what Jason just said. We put them in a place where they were not ready character-wise to stay. And then when they crashed, we were shocked. But really, we shouldn't have been shocked because we probably saw the propensity for crashing long ago before that. But we saw the gifting there, and the gifting draws people. I think that's why one of the qualifications is, you know, not a novice. Yeah. Someone that's, you know, hasn't been proved. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then I think we, too, take into account, I know we got to go to break, you know, are we putting somebody in there as a background singer, or are we putting somebody in there as a worship leader? Like... Are they the head usher or are they just opening the door? Like, are they the pastor or are they somebody that just is teaching a Sunday school class? Like, yeah, there's, there's really a lot of layers of this. There's question. a ton of layers. And those, like, this is like, okay, we might as well get deep because there's just so much to this question. And so, um, and I don't think I have a good answer because I would have to hear myself, yeah. I'd have to hear the actual. Situation. story situation mm-hmm. everything involved and i would talk to the person involved i would talk to those involved around them and um it would just have to be a lot of unpacking on that for me to make a decision on anything because um it is it does get tricky <clears throat> all right all right well let's read this second question monday question number two sponsored by higdon land surveying what was the name of the high priest servant that Peter cut off his ear? What was the name oh, of the high one. priest servant that Peter cut off his ear? We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. Alrighty, we are back here again on Mornings of Box 2 Radio. We do not have an answer yet for that trivia question. But we will continue forth. What was the name of the high priest servant that Peter cut off his ear? We talked uh, about last week. We did, didn't we? Yeah. We did. It was only, it was, um, well, I should tell her by a hint. If we <laughs> talked about last week, <laughs> where to find it. Yeah. And um, we did talk about it last week. So, <clears throat> How about that? All righty. Well, we're going to move on from that last question just because it's it's such a, we always want to be scripture-led, as Miss Gale said, but each situation would be wisdom, knowing everything, and so um, we'd have to just be, I think, cautious and relying on discernment and the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in all things. What does the called of Jesus Christ um, in Romans 1-6? What's, okay, that question doesn't. What does the called of Jesus Christ in Romans 6-1-6 mean? 
You think is that what it means? Probably so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So um, anybody got Romans one six? Yes. It says, "Among among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ?" Uh, hmm. Let's uh, let me see how far back do we need to go here. Uh, probably the verse 1. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. You probably had to okay. go back to verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship, for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. Yeah. <clears throat> that was a long <laughs> sentence. <laughs> oh, it's not done even. <laughs> this, this is the end of it. To all that be in Rome, a beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Yep. So Period. <laughs> anybody got anything we on see that? called in that those three, uh, I'm sorry, in those seven verses, three times. Paul was called to be an apostle. The called of Jesus Christ in six, and then called to be saints in verse seven. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I is, think... Is, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you're fine. Is the called of Jesus Christ, you're talking about the, the Jews there? I don't think he is. Okay. I think he's talking about those who are his. Um, And those who he's called, he has. Those who he foreknew, he's called. Like, he's done all these things. Actually, he predestined and he's called. Oh, boy. What are you getting into? Yes. Um, Now, I don't necessarily interpret this from the double predestination thing, but this is those who he's called. Um, And so those who he's called, I think, are those... Like Jesus talked about this, those who he gave him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think those who are born again is what he's actually saying. And I think that in this, I think as being those that are his, because I'm trying to, your Calvinists are going to take this as predestination. All right. I'm not going to shoot from the hip on predestination. What I'm saying, he does call us though. Before he chose us, before we choose him, what? He's he chosen us. Him. Um, and I think that Romans 8, uh, 29, 30, the golden chain of redemption, those who he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, and those who he predestined, he called. And those who he calls, he glorifies. And so I think that at the end of the day, I think this is the called ones. These are the ones, because what's Ecclesia say? What's Ecclesia mean? The Call. called out ones. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. I think here the called out in Christ Jesus is the church. Because we are the called out ones. And now your Calvinists will bring that into predestination among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Um, I heard an interesting thing about predestination. Maybe we can share it later, maybe, if we run out of other things to talk about. So. And then we'll only have like two yeah. minutes to talk about it and not be able to. Yeah. yeah. But to me, this the called out ones, now regardless of how we get called out, like this is a conversation we could have about predestination. And I'm willing to have that conversation. I'm not an expert on it, but I have studied into it quite a bit and try to read stuff from both, both viewpoints. Um, because at the end of the day, if you are going to be a Bible believer, 
you're going to believe in predestination. You have to. The thing is, is it conditional or unconditional? Right. Like, you really don't have a choice about believing in predestination if you believe the Bible because it's all throughout it. Yeah. Um, but here, instead of focusing just on is it predestination, I think we should just accept, though, that the church is the called out ones. Now, how we're called out, I'm not for sure, but the ecclesia is the called out ones. So I believe right here in Romans 1, 6, it is the church, including you, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Um, but that's my take. I like it. Mm-hmm. Hannah, Miss Gretchen? Oh, I'm, just read, I'm reading, yeah. <laughs> what's John, what's Wesley Buddy says? Uh, well, <laughs> He didn't say a lot, <laughs> but I'm. Uh, He's smart. He's not getting himself in the. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did. Jameson Fawcett Brown. Uh, uh, it it said to go to uh, Romans eight verse thirty. Yep. His uh, golden chain redemption. Uh huh. And he said, uh, "Whom he did predestinate, them he also called." Yep. The word "called" is never the epistles of the New Testament applied to those who have only the outward invitation of the gospel. It's always means internally, effectually, savingly called. Yeah. Is Fawcett, is he a Calvinist? I don't know. Well, if he's using an effectual call. Well. Actually, it looks like it might be three different guys. Jameson, Fawcett, Brown. I think that's the same guy, I thought. Same Maybe one it is. guy? I don't know. But there's a hyphen But if he's using names. the effectual three call. three last names. Um, maybe it is three different guys, but... Some if, people have two last names. If he is using like the... their first name and their last name sounds like they both, should both be last names. Well, if he's <laughs> using the vocabulary, the effectual call, mm-hmm. then it's that sounds like a Calvin-type teaching um, because Calvin would teach that there's multiple calls. There's a universal call, but then there's an effectual call, and the effectual call can never be denied, that once he calls you, you will come because it's the king coming. And so that's what they call the effectual call. Um and that so, is three different guys. Is it three different guys? Well, let me mm-hmm. see. Um, Robert Jameson, Andrew Fawcett, and David Brown. Well, and they are Calvinists. That's what I figure. Well, I figure once I heard the effectual call that <coughs> they are. Um, but <clears throat> I think Romans twenty nine and thirty is very thirty one. That area is very significant though to understand the called out ones. Um, but to me, I'm just looking at the word ecclesia. Or yeah. the New Testament church, which basically would mean the called out one. So we are called out. Now we can have another conversation how we're called out and how we get to the point of being called out. But the important thing is we are called out. Like, is that unconditional? Is it conditional? Is it because he first foreknew that we were going to choose him, therefore he chose us and he predestined us? Or is it based upon nothing, he just chose us? And then you got to get to the question of single predestination or double predestination. Um, and so all these things and theological matters are being discussed every single day and debated every single day among theologians. Um, but here, I just look at that and say, for the for this question, mm-hmm. I believe it is calling the church. I agree. So, yeah. hallelujah. Okay, <laughs> praise the Lord. Get me out of this, please. All right. Uh, <laughs> Before we start getting really a lot of text on predestination. Um, Were we getting an answer to the trivia and we weren't able to answer the phone? (laughs) Well, they did call and um, I wasn't able to answer because we were in the middle of the thing. But um, they sent me their their answer via text and it it wasn't the right one. So um, I'm sure they'll try again. 
Try again. Try, try again. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> try again. Um, what are your thoughts on the Dead Sea Scrolls? <clears throat> well, mm. all right, Jason, go for it. I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> I've heard both sides. Of, I've heard people. I have no knowledge of it whatsoever. So, but I've heard some people say that they're inaccurate. And I've heard some people say they are very accurate. So, so what would be the people's justification for saying they're inaccurate? That I don't know. I just that's I've just heard that. So I saw the place where they were where they were found where they were found from a distance. You know, see that cave over there? That's where they were found. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, don't, don't some of the uh, I, I don't know newer translation, but don't some some translations bank more heavily on them. Well, they use it, but you got to you've also got to remember the Dead Sea Scrolls included a lot of stuff that wasn't biblical literature. Right. So there's a lot of non-biblical literature as well. Like the from, book of uh, Enoch or something yeah, like that. Well, was the book of Enoch in the Dead Sea Scrolls? I don't know. No, I, don't, I don't think it I was. I really don't know anything about well, it. Well, okay, so the book of Enoch was referenced in Jude. So mm -hmm. people want to give a lot of credence to the book of Enoch. Yeah. I'm careful with the book of Enoch, to say the least. Yeah. Because if you've ever taken time to read the book of Enoch. I uh, it's talking a lot about fallen angels. It talks a lot about giving them names, give them that. And some of it is, I'm not saying it's not right. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is be careful. Don't give, give it scripture, um, right. canonization. So, like, if you want to read it. Are there uh, religious or religions or faiths that do include it? No, I mean, Book of Enoch was being more of a Jewish book. Okay. Um, but Jude references, and I want to say it's referenced somewhere else. But I think Peter maybe referenced. Um, now, I do want to say that this is not the Enoch that walked with God and was not. Right. It was a different Enoch who wrote this book. Um, I'm pretty sure that Mormons um, they take this book and use it for different things. They probably would. Because I have no idea. they need to prove that Jesus and Lucifer is brothers. Because that's what Mormonism would teach is that because of that Greek technical um, argument that Jesus is a son of God, but not the son of God. Yeah. And so they're saying that Jesus is a son of God, just like Lucifer is a son of God and that they're brothers. But then when you do that, you're going to have to include a lot of these other fallen angels. So the book of Enoch probably would be vital in their use of it. Now, moving back to the Dead Sea Scrolls. What happened is there was basically a canister of scrolls in a cave in 1940, late 40s, early 50s. And what I have found... Were they found by Indiana Jones? Yes. Um, that's going to be the next movie. <laughs> and so, but what I've, what I've found come out of it is, even though there's a lot of non-biblical literature, mm -hmm. the biblical literature that we're finding is proving that we're 99.999% of our accuracy. Right. So it's just another testament like to God's perseverance. Because if we're 99.99999% accurate after all of these years, that's incredible. And that's God preserving his word. Well, Aaron, you should be 100%. The technicalities is like mm -hmm. little words, like a misspelled word or a grammar thing. Because we yeah. believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. But the inerrancy of Scripture is not saying there's never a grammar mistake made in translation or there's never a right. misspelled word. Well, you try to copy a whole book of yes. the Bible. 
that's not an errancy. Don't make a mistake. <laughs> inerrancy is that it never changes. Right. So these words that are even mistakes, the grammar or yeah. a misspelled word through translation, that doesn't change the meaning of the text. Right. So the inerrancy, the inerrancy of Scripture says that it's, it is pure, that it right. still means the same thing it meant, and that's what, for me, from everything I've read on the DC Scrolls, that's basically what it's confirming is that we're we're accurate, we're right on it. Yeah, and I, I'm totally ignorant about this matter, but. My guess is that there are people who would not approve of these scrolls would probably do so on the, the merit that there were other things found with them. Like maybe they are trying to keep people from lumping some of these other uh, pieces of literature in with the scriptures. But that would be, I mean, that's just a shot in the dark for me. But. Yeah. Well, I don't see how, I mean, Aaron, you might know more about this, but there couldn't really be only be using the Dead Sea Scrolls for a new translation, right? No, no, not at all. They would have to have I mean, more you're, than that. You have a very limited portion of there's the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's not enough in that like, to be able to make a whole Bible. There's, I think there may translate a whole Bible. Now, I think there's a lot of Isaiah. I think there's some Isaiah, mm-hmm. maybe some of the Book of John in it. Okay. Um, but I mean, like, we're not, there's not a whole scroll of the scripture. Like, there's not there anywhere. That would be a big scroll um, anyway. Yes. <clears throat> Yeah, but we don't have an original text of anything close to it. Like, what we've done is we've found parchments of things, and we've pieced them together. And, like, even the Texas Receptives, that's where the King James was translated from, but the Texas Receptives was actually a very new manuscript coming into the King James. So it wasn't like it was old, 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 old. It was new, actually. is relatively very new, the Texas Receptives. And so what we've done with manuscripts is we've pieced them together and we would find a parchment of here in Ephesus or we'd find a, find a the, the book of John here over there or something like that. And we just began to piece them together together over time. And we're finding out, um, we're finding new manuscripts every day. And um, some of the oldest manuscripts may not include portion of a text or something like that. And that's why a lot of the newer ver- versions will say, you may be reading like, wait a second, 10... 11, 13, I'm missing 12. Yeah. And then there's that freak out moment, like, will they take it out? Well, 99% of the time in the translations, if you go to the footnotes, you'll see verse 12, and then you'll see it in italics, and you'll see why it wasn't necessarily added into the text there. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it's because the newest manuscripts may not include that portion, but they still include it at the bottom and saying, this is what it would translate to, this is what it is. Right. Um, one of the... One of the stories that none of the oldest manuscripts that we find include is the woman caught in the act of adultery. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually not included in any of the oldest manuscripts that we possess. But yeah. yet, all your major translations today still put it in there because it doesn't change Scripture either way you look at it. But it's very vital to see right. you know, God's character, Jesus' um, response to her. and so. But a lot, of your, a lot of your translations, especially modern ones, will put in the footnote, um, from verse so and so to so and so, earliest manuscripts that we now have in possession doesn't talk about this. That the earliest manuscripts that it may have been shown up was fourth century or fifth century, um, and so I I I actually really enjoy you know mm-hmm. diving into all that and figuring out what's exactly what the manuscripts are not saying and saying I'm not good enough to interpret it and I don't get to touch one, so we have to have a reliance on scholars but a lot of these people that i read i i also hear them teach and preach and i i don't think they're like a false prophet that's trying to deceive people right they're trying to be as honest with the manuscripts they possibly can so 
Um, <clears throat> but I always get people always get fired up when we start talking about manuscripts and stuff like that because I think there's a lot of misconceptions. Mm-hmm. I, I really do think there's a lot of misconceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. Uh, what are some uh, versions that you would avoid? Passion. Okay, I've heard that. The Passion Translation, which I've not backed. Didn't that guy uh, from the Passion Translation, didn't he say that he was... He's a, He says a lot. Yeah. I try not to pick on Brian Simmons, oh, but, it is, but. Um, <laughs> it's hard not to at times. Cause what did he say? Something about he was getting revelation yes. from God and... Yes. I don't know. He basically, he alluded to it. Now, I don't know if he would just walk up to you, but he was preaching somewhere, and it was on a clip, and this is what he's basically alluding to, is that he basically has mysteries of the Word and Bible books that hasn't been released yet that the the Holy Spirit revealed to him. To him, him love. And he said he, he basically alluded one time that, in reality, he said he translated from the Aramaic text, the mysteries, the Aramaic language. There is no Aramaic text of the Bible. It's Hebrew, Greek, and very few sayings in Aramaic. And most of those Aramaic sayings are the seven sayings of Christ on the cross, which he probably did say in Aramaic. Yeah. So like when he said, my father, my God, my God, why have I forsaken me? Yeah. And a lot of the word, a lot of Bibles, it's going to see, it's going to say, Elah, Elah, Lamosh, Tabachtanai, which basically exactly, means, yeah. my God, my God, why have I forsaken <laughs> me? That's the only saying I can say in, in Aramaic. But... But you can't say Caligula? Yes. <laughs> um, and so, yes. <laughs> like, there is, there's a lot of fear about the passion. Um, the TNIV was pulled off the shelves and I think had to be redone. because the what? The TNIV, which is today's new new um, international version. I've never heard of that one. What I, what I was really nervous about the TNIV was that it brought a lot of gender confusion into the so instead of saying he or she, they always included they. Oh, gosh. So it was basically making everything gender inclusive, which I think is very detrimental to the way God has orchestrated the family to line up. So instead of saying he, it was always they. Instead of saying she, it was always they. And it was basically um, horrendous in that remark, in that aspect, to such an extent they have basically pulled the translation, I think, off the Bible, I mean, off the shelf and redid it a little bit because it was such a poor one. But I, I'm not a fan of the NIV. I'm not a fan of the Passion Translation. (laughs) Um, I am, I haven't done as enough with the Christian um, CSV, Christian Standard Version, so I can't really speak too much on that, but I know a lot of people is using that. CSV? CSV. It's Christian Standard Version. Oh, so not CS, Christian Standard Bible. Um, Because I have a CSV. Maybe it would be the same thing. I've, I've heard it called CSV, Christian Standard Version. But it would. There it, might be two separate ones. Maybe, or they may just be the same thing, and some people call it different things. But uh, now, I will say, I'm. Everybody knows I'm an ESV guy. Like mm-hmm. I think everybody knows that about me by now. But I found myself studying in the New King James quite a bit lately. I have. I have okay. found myself. I there. like the New King James. Um, I have found myself there quite a bit lately, and enjoying it. And um, I'm trying to just work through some. Ver- you got any of them? In, you got anything in mind that I could tell you? Whether what my opinion? These are my opinions too. So no, no don't I, take them to heart. Yeah, I, I I stay away. from I used to read the NIV a lot. Uh, I had a parallel Bible that had King James and NIV together, and I would do it that way for uh, just to have a better. You know, when I would like read through the um, you know the accounts in the Old Testament, things like that, the stories of the Old Testament. 
I, th- I always found the NIV better, but uh, the more I've studied on it, the more I think, you know, it's, it's got some flaws. Yeah. Some big flaws. Yeah. They, now they, <laughs> I think they more purposefully leave out scripture. Mm-hmm. I feel like that, to be honest yeah. with you. Whereas like ESV and some of the news one, these newer ones that may leave out a verse or two and put them in the italics, they're trying to do it out of faithfulness to the text. I'm not for sure where the NIV is with that. Um, now, I tell kids a lot, teenagers, I will say this, and before we go to break, and um, I tell a lot of teenagers and kids when they first get born again or just you know trying to get into the Word to go to the NLT, I, I, I really like the New Living Translation. I um, I'm um, not a huge fan of the message. I feel like the message brings it way too much out of balance. Yeah, and I think NLT it's just, is a thought-for-thought yes. translation. And I think the NLT is amazing. When I... When I do read through the Bible in a year or read through a book or something just for, for more devotional reading, I do an NLT um, because I feel like it's really easy to understand. But I feel like for a paraphrase, it's really good. The new living, it's not based on the living Bible, is it? No, no. Because the living Bible had some issues. Yeah, the living Bible did. Yeah. And then the, there's another Bible. The main coming b- problem with the living Bible is it's a, it based its translation off of another translation. Yeah. I think it was the uh, New American Standard, maybe, or something. The ESV? Mm-hmm. No. No, the NASB. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so or in a New American Standard. I think so. So it was like it was taking a translation and then translating from that, you know. Transliterization. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now your ESV is actually, they wanted to revise and update the NRSV, I think mm-hmm. it was, or the revised standard version. RSV. But then Crossway didn't want to do it. that. Um but ESV is a word-for-word word straight from the, the manuscript, whereas a lot of your transliterization, trans, um, transliterize, <laughs> how do you say that? I said it a minute ago, now I can't spit it out, now I'm thinking about it. Uh, you're basically where you're translating from another translated text. Um, but the NLT, for me, like the message sometimes is like, uh, he sat down and took a nap. Like, and it was just kind of like out of nowhere. Like, it almost feels like it's, modernize it to such an extent that we're losing the impact of it like um he ate like a fish fish sandwich with a mountain dew kind of deal um but the nlt i feel like is just a very good paraphrased bible and so i really do i mean like even in my new testament class in my chapel class of course they have to use king james for the sake of the pace and all that but i say when you're just getting into it like if you send a kid if you send a 10 year old into the kjv they really do struggle Mm mm-hmm but you send them into the NLT and they'll start building themselves up because now they're familiarizing themselves with the text. They're familiarizing themselves with the story, the narratives, and they start to really get it in them. And then what you find before long, they may move up into a ESV or they may move into the Canoe King James and King James and stuff like that. But they have such a good foundation for the NLT. Um, Okay. uh, Let's see here. Why do they not have red words? I'd love to find a Bible with red letters and a new translation for my kids. Um, I would say, this is just my opinion. I can't confirm this, Greg, but I would say that if he went to Amazon, if you go to Amazon before the break, we'll just do it real fast. Um, If I go to Amazon and type in red letter, um, red letter NLT. Then there is, I would say we could find a red lettered where they talk about red letters. 
Um, it has it on the Bible app. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, not familiar with the New Living Translation at all. I know you can do a red letter ESV. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you can do that because I think my ESV study Bible has red letters. Um, my the old my old study Bible was ESV, but now I have King James. Kelly won't let me have ESV. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, I'm, I'm, New yep. King James Version? I'm yep. I don't think there's a whole lot of difference, so I just stick with the original. Well, for me, I think the New King James is a little bit easier for it's me to read. It's just easier to read. Yeah. I really but it's do. The, basically the exact same other than that. Like, I struggle reading the King James out loud. I really do. I've noticed. I get distracted um, with it. I get distracted with the I'm old English. Like I'm not. I'm. I mean, I'm confessing yeah. this. Like I really do struggle. Yeah, like, I do too. I, I think when I'm I'm reading it, I just instead of trying to say the, thoust yeah. and you know, I but just my my brain can't that, work that quick. In my mind, I'm thinking it. You know, as in the American English. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I but I do. I struggle I reading it yeah. out loud. I don't struggle reading it myself. But if I had to read it publicly, I, it would be a problem. I struggle like I really do and I mean I, I can that's a lot of the times why I'll use the ESV and then come back and like the King James says this or something like that because I do struggle with it because I'm you're if you're preaching you're already thinking about all these other things going through your head and, and I don't thou the the like I guess if you do it all the time it's natural but um, I struggle to read it but I have a lot of people Greg saying that their ESV has red letters uh, Joey Sosh says they read the Christian Standard Bible which is the one that is there is a Christian standard and I think Christian standard version, but I'm not 100. I don't know if I've they're the same. I've never heard of that one. Um, I'm, I miss, was looking them up, you know. On the first one was a Holman Christian standard Bible, and mm. then they changed that and made it a Christian standard Bible without the Holman. So yep. those are the two I know. I don't know the Christian standard version. Mm-hmm. What'd you say, uh, Miss Gretchen? Was you saying something too? I just was looking them up on Amazon, and I just put in red letter editions, you know, but. Uh, See how to put it. I said Bible translations with red letter editions. So yeah, but, but the main one that came up was the New Living Standard. Yeah. Now I'm not like no, NLT. What's that? Um, New Living Translation. New Living. Oh, translation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think they have red letter New Living Translation too. I don't know. Um, and again, like we're not. I feel like we should go to a break though. Um, <laughs> probably. But um, we're gonna. <laughs> I I just feel like we should. We have sponsors that. <laughs> <laughs> We've already got our sponsors oh, okay. out of the way. All right. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. No, we, we do need to give an opportunity for another um, attempt at this trivia question. Yeah, that I have, was not a hard one. We, yeah. So here's what we're going to do. We'll read that again. And that person who texts me, uh, your answer is correct uh, this time, but I can't do it by text. So I'll let you call in right All right, we are back here on Mornings of Boxy Radio, and Miss Nancy lastly got that answer right. It is, how do you say his name, Jason? Malchus. And um, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I feel like being like a Greekish name, it should be a lot more eloquent, like <laughs> Malikus or... I'm certain it's, that's not it, but... <laughs> Malculus. <laughs> you can't just Malchaeus. insert sounds. Malchaeus. Where's, where's the, I don't uh, even know how it's spelled. I'm just. <laughs> where's the reference? I forgot. Uh, John eighteen ten. Right. Yep. M a l c h u l s s. Malchus. That's what I said. Yeah. But Malchus. I don't know. But I have 
no, I've been looking at some uh, some Jewish scholars. You know, some of their uh, watching some videos and stuff, and I have learned that I everything that I have pronounced <laughs> Jewish names is not right. Right. Uh, we're going to get to heaven and be like, is David here? Who's David? <laughs> it's David. <laughs> <laughs> Who's David? <laughs> yeah, we had that trouble when we was in, yeah. in Israel. I, yeah, Brother Ron got It's so getting bad because I'm like, wow, I'm like, oh, yeah. for whatever, you know. Yeah. And every name I thought I knew in the Old Testament is not right. Hey, where's Melchizedek? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> I could see it now. Uh, one listener also said, uh, we had some more questions on, um, one listener said, uh, I have a Bible called the Everyday Bible that has the red letters. I have not heard a ton about the Everyday Bible. I'm I actually think I have one on my shelf. Um, a lot of times I get Bibles handed to me and I just put them on the shelf sometimes because even if it's a bad translation, if you hand me the Passion Translation, I probably still can't come to like throw it away. It's the Bible. Um, and so, which is another good question. Didn't you ask me one time, what do you do with worn out Bibles? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that question. That really got me. Still think about well, it. You know, I've been thinking, uh, I have a, I always got the open Bible. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, when I wear them out, usually the maps would start falling out. If the maps did, then, then everything else, you know. But I, I ran across, I had this one in my, by my bed, and I was was looking up something, and uh, there was a, a, a reference or some or even a translation of a word that uh, wasn't in my new open Bible. And also this one was a, was a smaller Bible, and I just loved that size and everything. And they, they quit making the smaller one. So I, I, I looked up about re, having my Bible rebound. And uh, it's, it's a little pricey, but I thought, you know, I, I'd almost like to do that because I like this Bible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are some different... Um like small businesses and people who uh-huh. do that and they will do like personalized leather mm-hmm. um, unique looking leather that they make and things like that, yeah. that this, they can this was uh there, well one of them there was two or three companies i found and one of them was in tennessee so uh and it looked like it was just like a couple that's retired and and that's what they decided to do you know they can they do this yeah. like in their home you know so well, i have a couple of bibles i have one bible on my shelf don't even have a cover Mm-hmm. Just the pages, yeah. But it's like I don't know what you do with still. We, I don't know either. I just like I know a flag, an American flag. Uh-huh. You, to retire it, you burn it. But it looks well, like they, a ceremony. But they also have that a, doesn't seem the right for the Bible. <laughs> There's the courthouse. Doesn't really seem right for the flag either. But yeah. it's still well, the courthouse. They have a place where you can come. You you know bring your flags, mm-hmm. and they, they have a place you know where you can put them and. Uh, and I, then I don't know what they do with them after that, but it's kind of like it, you, you've done your, your part, and it's their responsibility <laughs> to, to, to do it right. <laughs> yeah. I uh, think it might be veterans. I mean, I guess you sure. could donate them. <clears throat> but sometimes, especially a cheaper Bible that you've, you know, you know, it's, it's literally falling apart. True. And, yeah. and I, it, you know, the cheaper ones aren't, aren't really worth binding, rebinding or whatever. Right, but. uh-huh. Anyway, I mean, I, I never get a leather oh, one. I always get the bonded leather. So mm-hmm. uh, that's what mine is. Uh, you anyway, get crafty and or yeah. give it to someone who is crafty, and they could make it into something. There you go. Yeah. Now let me do one more Bible question. One more Bible, and then we'll finish this last question. Okay. Maybe um, there is one Bible out there that probably I would say stay away from more than I even would the Passion Translation. And that's called the Mirror Bible. 
I heard about this one just the other day. Yeah, yeah. I had never heard Spill of it. Spill uh, it. Mirror, mirror, like M I R R O R. Yeah. Like it's literally called the Mirror Bible, and it's a paraphrase from the Greek. Mm-hmm. And if you have it, throw it away. I don't know. Okay, I can't tell you throw it away because again, it's my conviction. But <laughs> like, I don't know. Like this one is such a bad translation. And if I'm not mistaken, it's translated from universalism. It's a universalist doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, Mike Winger, I see his I see his put here, um, literally the worst Bible translation I've ever seen. Um, I've heard other people call it the anti-gospel Bible. Um, I've heard a lot of— It's strange. that I just heard someone talk about this the other day, and they basically said the same thing as you. Yep. Um, Go. Run. Yeah. But I, that's the first I'd ever heard of it. So I was going to look it up. And then when we were talking about translation, I couldn't remember the name of it. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you said it, um, it, it uh, struck with me again. Yeah. Now, I don't think it includes any of the... I'm looking it up here. It says it does not include anything from the Old Testament and little of the gospel counts and leaves off Revelation and some of the minor epistles. Well, what's left of it? So, <laughs> well, a lot of times what they do is they just start like... That's kind of how the Passion Translation started, is they'll just translate books at a time okay. and i mean it's a really good money-making thing because if you charge 15 dollars a book to be oh i'm gonna buy romans for 15 and then six months later i'm gonna buy galatians for 16 15 uh-huh, okay and then i'm gonna buy that for ten dollars and you know and then you get me prophets and the proverbs and the psalms and all this i guess maybe it's the same kind of stream of thinking but um i really would anything with the mirrors bible i would you know stay away from that's just hmm. myself. I was asked my opinions. These are my opinions and not necessarily those of the Box 2 Radio Network. Um, and so, but I'm just telling you what I, what I know to be true, that the Passion Translation, the Mirror Translation, all these. Um, just yeah. Here's what Passion is. For me, the Passion Translation is that it just adds so much to the text. It seems like a tribal Bible. What I mean by that is it's, the tribe that translated it, it's like they're throwing words in that they use a lot. Yeah. And so, like, they need a Bible that they can use to use the words they want to keep using. So, um, and then at one point, one one text, they did the count, and it was like 150% more words than supposed to be there. Yeah. So, even, um, I think it was Bible Gateway took it off. They just said this. This is not even a translation. We we can't even keep it on there. Yeah. So. Um, hmm. All righty. Then uh, it comes into the persuasion of men. If you're just keep yeah. adding things to the text. Well, I think that's what one. You know, when you have a new translation or if you uh, new Bible. Okay, so the, you know, copyright laws. You know, you have to change words, or it's you know you're infringing on their their rights there. So they have to change things. <laughs> and so eventually, though, change, so many changes are going to sure. make it totally wrong, you know. Yep. Now, a and then lot you have to ask yourself, why are you doing the translation? Yeah. Are you doing it for profit or for edification? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Like if ever a publishing company have to bring out their own ver- versions, yeah. at one point in time you got to think, is this for profit or mm-hmm. is this because – we're trying to get the truest translation that we possibly can or get the translation for this group of people to read or something like that. And I think there does come a time where we probably have enough translations, but, um, but I don't know if you can stop people from doing them at this point. 
and then the copyright laws are in there. But a lot of times people get around those by, um, like they'll say, well, we're updating this one. And so they'll come into agreement with this one, which gets them off the hook. All right, let's read one more Bible question. We'll um, finish out. Do the celestial bodies referred to in 1 Corinthians 15.40 refer to our heavenly bodies? 1 Corinthians, whoa, what, 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 1540, 1540. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1540, we're moseying on over there. You ever said moseying on over there, Jason? <laughs> Not very often. My grandpa, you say it all the time, and every once in a while I just say it now. Miss Gretchen, you ever said we're just going to mosey on over? No, I don't think so. I think I've said it. <laughs> See, the two youngest in the room's done it. <laughs> but probably because I've heard it on a show, TV show or something. <laughs> mosey on over. Uh, That's kind of like a western. Miss <laughs> Gretchen, do you have verse 40? Yes, I do. First Corinthians fifteen forty. Mm-hmm. There are also celestial bodies and bodies of terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, man, I would really like to look into this more. Um, what's your all's take on this? Because I'm... I feel like I need to unpack this. I'm sorry, I got lost. I was it was Nero was emperor when Peter was killed, not Caligula. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a second, where's I was behind on my research. Where's Nero? <laughs> um, right. Nero was crazy too, but anyway, yes, not like yes. Caligula. Um, <laughs> so, what's your take right, on this, so Jason? Where we have First Corinthians fifteen yeah, fourteen, 20. the celestial or heavenly bodies. I don't know. I'm gonna have to get there. Like I said, I was totally distracted. Let me read what John Wesley says. Yeah, yeah, read that so I can. Where okay. we? What was the verse again? First Corinthians fifteen forty. Said there are also heavenly bodies, as the sun, moon, and stars, and there are earthly, as vegetables and animals. But the brightest luster which the latter can have is wide, widely different from that of the former. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, this is why I would love. This is why I'm saying I need more time. To, I don't think this is talking about bodies. Or like immortal or corruptible or anything like this. I don't think this is talking about our, because up there he says for um, 38, if you go back to 38, but God gives it a body as he chooses and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, mm-hmm. another for birds, and another for fish. It seems like he's talking about creation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Celestial then refers to the heavenly and yes. then terrestrial is, is the worldly. Yeah. You know. Earthly. Because it said, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory for the sun, and another glory for the moon, and another glory for the stars, for stars differ from star from glory. So now, now though, he is starting to parallel it and saying, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown and perishable, what is raised and imperishable. He's he's using these and he like specifically he's a comparison. yes okay yeah but I don't think he's saying this that I, I way. agree I yeah. think he's paralleling it into what he's saying later on that it's like now yeah but because um, it does appear like he's talking about the resurrection mm-hmm. in the verses uh, preceding it and forty four says it's sown a natural body it's raised a spiritual body yeah, yeah. there is but a I, natural body and there's a spiritual body yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the context is to understand the yeah. resurrected body. But right there, the celestial bodies does not mean that. He's using it as an, you know, there's earthly, there's heavenly, there's these. there, And I think it's talking about there's supernatural mm-hmm. and then there's natural. 
there's because because yeah. it seems like the stars and stuff are more majestic, more this. You know, mm. they're different than what an earthly person or body would yeah. be. So that would be my take on it, and that's kind of what I was trying to work in my head whenever I was reading. I was like, I think this is what it means, but I needed to look at the context a little bit more. Yeah. The whole term celestial bodies kind of sounds Mormonish. No, they they use stuff like that a lot. That's probably one word I don't use too much in my everyday language. No, um, me either. How's your celestial body doing? <laughs> well, I did eat broccoli that the other day. That definitely sounds Mormonish. <laughs> <laughs> I ate broccoli the other day, and it feels on fire. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's that's. that's good I don't question. like raw broccoli either, to be honest with you. <laughs> Well, as many casseroles you ate yesterday. Well, they wasn't raw. But. Did you take any home? Did you take a poop? I wanted to. So we, we were guests. So let me I ask didn't you really that. know anybody there. This is a Pastor really good Gary. question. If you're a guest at a homecoming, is it permissible for you to take a plate home? Well, I, I thought we should have gone to the front of the line because we were guests. <laughs> but Kelly would not let me ask. <laughs> I can see Kelly now. She's gonna come up to me. Matter of fact, she told Aaron, me. Aaron, you know up. what Jason did the other night? You know what he she did? You know what he did at the homecoming? <laughs> Kelly's gonna tell me all about it. So. It was a long line too. And I thought I kept thinking all the good stuff's gonna be gone by the time we get there. But it wasn't. It was really good. I mean, there were there was lots of food, and it really would have been helping out a lot to to take a plate home because there was stuff left over. A was lot it a fried chicken? There was fried chicken. And, you know, I wasn't really that excited about the fried chicken. I like the casserole stuff. Um, but Brother Gary Embry sat down beside me. He had some kind of ribs that I did not see. And I don't know if he got them because he was the pastor or what. Well, he's like, I get no special food. I know it. <laughs> what about you, Hannah? Do you, th- yeah. do you feel it's permissible to take a plate home for food if you're the guest at a homecoming? I don't yeah. know. I think I might be too scared. Well, I to saw ask. people take, you know, you get those plates with the, with the lid over the top, you know. Those, <laughs> Man, that's a like fancy church. Yeah. That's fancy. Well, they didn't have I those mean, out if, at first. but If they had them sitting out and, yeah. you know, I feel like it would be all right. Yeah. But uh, I really wanted to, but I was very full. Because <laughs> I had some, I don't really usually get dessert, and these kind of things, because I like the casserole stuff and all yeah. that, you know. But um, they had a key lime pie, which I, I had. I can't pass that up. And then there was like a coconut cream pie, which I like those a lot. And some kind of chess pie that had coconut in it too. Yeah. So I ended up eating three different desserts, but not <laughs> not the full size. I just took a little sliver of each. How big is a sliver? Well, I wouldn't say a sliver. Maybe a little, maybe a little larger than a sliver. <laughs> what about you, Miss Gretchen? Would you take a plate home if you were a guest at a homecoming? Oh, probably not. I'd be like Jason, too. I, I, well, I'd been so full, I probably wouldn't have wanted to, you know, think. I, my thoughts on sometimes like that is like, oh, I probably won't be able to eat supper, you know, because, you know, I'm so full right now. But then when that time comes, you're you're hungry again. I think, oh, I wish I'd taken a plate home. <laughs> well, let me just clarify. I have nine people in the house. I'm not taking a plate. I'm taking a bag. Uh, you got a bag. Yeah. I need a bag. <laughs> I need eight of those to-go boxes and a bag. <laughs> Give me but all I the fried chicken. I do love a good homecoming. That was good. Yeah? Yeah, it was really good. And they're good people and everything. Too, have so. we ever had a homecoming here? We need one. Yeah, We we don't really. But, but we've it was, we've it was had, good. like, an uh, anniversary yeah. Deals, you know. I, guess, I think that's kind of what that is, I guess. Uh-huh. Which we eat all the time here, so yeah. I guess we really don't need a homecoming to. <laughs> it was more of the singing that day, but then Brother Gary uh, 
he reminds me a lot of Dave because he's uh, kind of that old school type, and then he inserts a lot of scripture, mm-hmm. and uh, he's just got a lot of verses memorized too. Yeah. So he, uh, I don't think he was supposed to preach that day, but he did. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of squeezed it in, you know, as all good preachers will do. We don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> we do not do that. Uh, Joey said the boys at the at the homecoming he preached at, they took to go boxes home. There you go. I feel like it's completely permissible. I think guests should be allowed to do that. I'm pretty sure it was, it was people were doing it. Well, I know they were doing it, but I don't know if they were, you know, if they were special folks or you know and there, there was a it was a fairly older congregation so maybe they you know were taking it home to other loved ones that were older than them <laughs> well we have nine seconds okay. favorite food from yesterday um the the cabbage casserole was oh good. that's like so that. disgusting <laughs> all right well we're gonna I leave paid for it later but well, it was good. <laughs> we're gonna leave jason with that uh cabbage casserole is the favorite fried chickens in front of your face and he's gonna say cabbage casserole <laughs> all right and ribs did you ever get any ribs uh, no i didn't get any really good i mean i was watching him did he not <laughs> see see if if i, I would have offered yeah I mean, I may not have gave it he to did you. Not. I, we, well, it was that kind of. It was one of those offers. Like, I need to fulfill my my guilt here, so I'm going <laughs> to offer, but I'm really not going to give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're go- we're out of here for this morning. We love you guys so much. Be blessed. Um, anything else? Actually, anybody else got any closing words? Anything? No. All right. I'm getting hungry now. I am too. I'm I'm craving some biscuits and gravy or something here. <laughs> so. Well, we're out of here for this morning. Love you guys. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, tomorrow here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network.